Hello, hello, and welcome to Shit You Wish You Learned in Grad School. I'm your host, Jennifer Agee, Licensed Clinical Professional Counselor. And with me today is Jamie Duke. She is the owner of Open Invite Therapy Group in Kansas, in the greater Kansas City area. She specializes in working with women's hormonal health and in particular PMDD. So Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell me, what is something that you wish you learned in grad school? Yeah, I wish I learned more about women's hormonal health and how it impacts um, their mental health and treatment and particularly PMDD. I don't think it's talked about much. And so um, I think it's an important topic because women are cyclical and so it impacts our mental health and our overall health. And so it would have been nice to know a little bit more about that. Absolutely. And for those listening who might not know, PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's important because I was really interested to learn when I did a training with you, how many women are actually misdiagnosed as having bipolar disorder or other things um, when in fact the culprit was PMDD. Yes, exactly. Yep. It gets misdiagnosed a lot because the symptoms usually are worse the week before a woman's menstrual cycle. So the 10 to seven days before it's called the luteal phase of your cycle. And so people don't realize that the symptoms are in conjunction to the menstrual cycle. So they think, oh, I'm fine on my period, but the week before I feel terrible. And so it gets misdiagnosed because a lot of this, there's a lot of similar you know, symptoms and then it's happening every month. So it's kind of like they think, oh, you're having these big mood swings every month. It must be bipolar. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what are some of the symptoms of PMDD? Yeah, so it's definitely um, much more, it's like a PMS, but I always say on steroids, is <laughs> like much more extreme. So there's the typical like, you know, maybe food cravings or feeling bloated or um, cramps, things like that. But then there's also the emotional component, which is where the big difference is usually they're going to have um, a lot of irritability and anger. There's going to be... Um, maybe even panic attacks or anxiety, depression, a lot of trouble controlling kind of thought distortions. And then usually there's more interpersonal conflict because of all that. Um, So usually, you know, a lot of times people report, I feel like two different people each month. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, like one part of the month, I feel great and feel normal. And the next half, I don't even recognize me and how I respond to things and how I react. So that's where you can usually tell like, okay, something's going on. Okay. Um, Okay, so I don't want to take over the conversation. You tell us what we need to know and I'll engage you in conversation and ask questions, but you're the expert here. So just share with us what you think that would be helpful for us to know as clinicians with our butts in the seats with the clients, what would be helpful for us to know? Yeah, absolutely. Just knowing um, if, you know, assessing for if a woman's, you know, she's having maybe extreme mood shifts um, and you're noticing a pattern, just double checking like, hey, is this happening the week before your period um, or in conjunction with your cycle at all? And having them start tracking that Um, because PMDD is not a hormonal imbalance. So I always like to rule that out as well, because sometimes women do have a hormonal imbalance and that, you know, let's say their estrogen or progesterone is out of balance or their testosterone. That is such a you know, it's so finite, like the tiniest shift can cause things or maybe even their thyroid. So just knowing that, you know, double checking, like, let's make sure it's not a hormonal imbalance. If they have any blood work, that's what I usually start with. Uh, and then if there's no hormonal imbalance, then tracking their cycle for at least two months to see is there a big shift 
And are these symptoms coming up that they are just not feeling like themselves and these mood swings? Um, and then knowing that since it's not a hormonal imbalance, what's happening is they think that um, uh, your brain with PMDD is just more sensitive to the rise and fall of hormones throughout your cycle. Um, they think it, it's really relatively new. It was like 2013 when it was added to the DSM. Um, and so they started researching and they think that what happened is there's a metabolite called, the short name is called aloe, but it's in conjunction with progesterone. And that metabolite in most people makes you feel really calm and, you know, really, really good. But with women with PMDD, for some reason, it has the opposite effect. And so they don't know if women have built up a tolerance to it or what it is. But for some reason, it's causing this irritability, anger, feeling out of control, anxious, depressed, that kind of thing. So when you have uh, a client start tracking, uh, are there any specific mood tracker apps? And then also, how can we differentiate PMS versus PMDD? Because some of what you're describing is very common PMS symptoms, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of great um, apps now um, they can track their cycle on. Um, and then also there's a, um, I always refer to the in, uh, International Association for Premenstrual Dysphoric Disorders. Um, their website is iapmd.org. And it's just one D instead of two. Um, but they actually have a symptom tracker on there you can print off and it's really, you know, really great. And they can just check which symptoms they're having each month. Um, and so I usually recommend they do that or just use an app, which, you know, there's a lot of great apps. I know like Obia is one, um, In the Flow is another one. So, okay. So there's a couple of places to look at. So you were talking about like the luteal phase and how, how does, I mean, I feel like as a woman, I should know this, but I don't. Yeah. So if I'm asking, other people are asking, um, how do I know the difference? Is there a time factor of like when it's more likely PMS versus PMDD? Yeah, usually what happens with PMDD is the day you start your period or the next day you feel great. Like you feel, notice a big shift. You're like, I feel so much better. <laughs> and so that's usually the difference with PMS. Typically, it's not the week before that you might feel a little weird, you know, like emotional or something a couple of days before your cycle. But usually the symptoms are in conjunction, like, OK, I'm bleeding and I'm feeling I'm craving chocolate and I feel really tired and I might feel a little weepy or irritable, but there's not that it's the actually during your cycle. So it's much easier to connect like, okay, this is PMS, but PMDD you usually actually build the symptoms go away. You feel much better. Okay. And I will tell you, I've heard the same thing from women um, that I've worked with that have PMDD that have said, it's like, I'm two different people. And some families even give that part of themselves, the PMDD, when the PMDD is coming out, give it a different name. I've had you know, oh, client yeah. about that, but it's a very clear differentiation of this isn't the way I normally react, behave, um, or feel. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, a lot of times working with, yeah, externalizing it of like, this isn't, you know, my normal self. And well, a lot of times I'll say it's kind of is cluing you into maybe something you're upset about or angry about, and there's validity to that, but it's just magnified times a thousand. So then, you know, working maybe the times throughout the month when you feel good of like, okay, I'm, I know I'm upset about this. I'm going to communicate now when I'm feeling good and I can rein in my emotions more, that kind of thing. So if you suspect or you start tracking with the client and you suspect that it is PMDD, what do you recommend that the client do? What's, a, what's treatment look like? 
Yeah. Um, there's, you know, obviously the biggest thing is lifestyle factors of really having to get, you know, good sleep, um, eating healthy, um, blood sugar balance, a lot has to do with it. Um, I usually will look at, you know, making sure they're drinking plenty of water or they're getting exercise and like maybe they're doing exercise where they can get some of that, you know, anger out, like kickboxing, something like that. Um, and then the other thing, you know, usually once we go from there with the lifestyle factors and just doing like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it's the most studied. So, but it's shown to be the most effective for treating it. Um, then the other lines of treatment, um, like 70% of women have a positive experience um, with an SSRI. So with PMDD, so that's kind of the next line of treatment. Um, some do well with hormonal birth control not everyone, some people, it makes them feel worse. So it's kind of work because, you know, with hormonal birth, birth control, it's kind of make, you know, making a very low dose of, they're not having that big swing usually of the hormones. So it's kind of nice because it's kind of leveling them out. So sometimes it works well, um, but some women report it doesn't. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of goes on the down from there of like how extreme, like some people get to the point where they need a hysterectomy or an ovarectomy, like even taking the ovaries out to stop the cycling, um, or, you know, almost enacting menopause because it's that extreme, but that's like the very last line of treatment. Um, so yeah, but, and I know they're doing research right now on new, um, medications to treat it, but there's nothing really close to, but yeah, right now, SSRIs, lifestyle factors, CBT, those are kind of the main things. And then do you have them or do you coordinate care with the primary care physician or it sounds like this would be more that something that you want their gynecologist to take a look at. Yeah, absolutely. I usually like to try to coordinate care with their OBGYN if possible. Um, I will say some OBGYNs still don't really know what it is or don't know how to treat it or maybe think, oh, you know, it's not as bad. You know, they can kind of or we'll just give you birth control and you'll feel better. Um, so it's important to try to find a provider that really knows it and understands um, so people can search for providers on the IAPMD.org website and find someone hopefully in their area that, you know, treats it and understands what it's like. Okay. Well, that's good to know. It's still shocking to me how much we don't understand, particularly about the female body. I know. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. And um, I just, I think that's why it's so important because they're starting to do research on like kind of, they say biohacking your hormones. But that women actually, you know, men have a 24-hour hormonal cycle. And so they can eat the same thing every day and exercise the same way every day and they feel great. Well, women, we have weekly, we have four different distinct weeks each month and our hormones change each week. So if you're wanting to biohack your hormones, that's also something I'll, you know, recommend for clients of like, you need to eat certain foods and exercise a certain way and even work and sleep a certain way each week differently to feel best for a woman to optimize your hormones. Well, nobody ever told me that. That yeah. is awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the main people that have kind of, I guess, realized that or come up with it or done the research, um, her name's Alyssa Vitti, um, A-L-I-S-A, and then B-I-T-T-I. Um, and she has a great book called Woman Code, and she has another one called In the Flow. And she has a lot of great resources on her website and things like that. But I would definitely suggest people start there, you know, especially with clients, I'll have them start. It's, she calls it cycle syncing. Um, and yeah. So yeah, so that's been nice. It's amazing. The the more we are understanding, the more uh, more research is being done and the more we're understanding about the human body, just how the interconnectedness is of 
of mind and body, of mood and mental health and what's happening physiologically in someone's body, how closely those connections really are. I think we're just starting at the beginning of starting to understand how intensely all these things are connected. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. And I think, you know, because she talks about the luteal phase, typically when women aren't feeling good, you actually need 200 to 300 extra calories a day and usually more complex carbohydrates. So people are like, well, I'm craving all this stuff. And it's like, oh, it's actually okay to eat that. That's your body's needing that, those nutrients right then. Um, So that, you know, things like that. And she talks about, yeah, if you're more emotional, like you might need to journal more or do some progressive muscle relaxation or mindfulness or self-care. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I remember uh, when I was pregnant, the doctor said often when whatever you're craving, there's something in what you're craving that your body needs. Yeah. So, you know, eating eating ice cream sundaes every day, like probably ain't going to do it. But what is it in that that your body is craving and can you give it what it needs in a way that's healthy for your body? Yes. Yeah. Like if it's chocolate, maybe you're low on magnesium. So I'm going to get some, yeah, eat magnesium or have some dark chocolate because it has magnesium in it. So that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when you're working with hormonal health and you're looking at things like PMDD, uh, another big component of this are the people in the lives of someone with PMDD. So when you work with them, do you do you bring partners in? Like how, how do you how do you really help support the client more fully? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's a big part of the treatment planning process is bringing in um, a spouse or partner or family members or, you know, working with even how they relate to their children, things like that, because it can cause a lot of disruption in their life, especially usually their partner is the person that gets the brunt of it or maybe, you know, parents or family members or their own kids. Um, and there's usually a lot of shame around it too, of just feeling like I yelled at my kids. I normally never yell at them, but this time of the month, I just can't, you know, take it. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of times I'll bring the partner in and have, you know, okay, this, you know, half of the month, she's not going to feel great. So what can we do to help support her of like, you know, maybe we have some freezer meals ready to go and you know that she can't, you know, maybe watch, you know, hang with the kids as much in the evenings, you have to take over that kind of thing. Um, and also just, yeah, talking about how to even tell or communicate with kids like, hey, mom, baby doesn't feel as good right now tonight. It's one of those nights she doesn't feel as good. We're going to, you know, leave her alone tonight or we're going to watch a movie and she's going to go to bed, things like that. I could see how that could um, be very destigmatizing for a woman to be able to have words for the fact that her body is taking her on a ride she did not agree to. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and that it's not just because I am a mean mother or I am a yelly mom or I am a what insert whatever shameful thing you want to say about yourself here. Um, but my body is going through this process and it, I don't have to shame myself. I can offer it what I need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I always say there's usually some truth to it or it's telling you it needs some rest or something. So that's okay. Like honor that and then have things in place. So you can do that. So you're not feeling guilty or bad or, you know, I'm such a mean mom. Like, no, I'm, you know, it's my PMDD. It's not me. It's, this is a special, you know, my body's on this different wavelength right now because of my hormones. Mm -hmm. Are there any strong connections between PMDD and other, other diagnosis that women may have like PCOS or different things like that? Or there's not necessarily any known strongly. I mean, they found more women with PMDD have trauma in their background and they're not really sure why. 
Um, so that's always something to keep in mind. And I have noticed with clients, if we work um, on a lot of their trauma, sometimes those symptoms and how intense they are start to be a little bit better. So I don't, you know, and know what the conjunction is with that. But yeah, it's super interesting. Um, yeah, and a lot of times it, you know, there could be, you know, PCOS, endometriosis, those things um, could also affect it, I think, too. There's, it's hard to say because those are a little different and that they have, you know, more to do with the ovaries, but also that they found that the ovaries are what's causing the, you know, big shift in your, the hormone levels. And so they found that is kind of controlling the PMDD. So it's super fascinating. Yeah, it is. Well, and I know just mood wise, even though I know the ovaries are what controls that, when I had I had a partial hysterectomy, I noticed a huge difference. Like I would always know when I was going to have my period before because of my mood and all, you know, how I felt and just a little more irritable or whatever. And I don't at all. I like, yep. don't at all. So yep. I don't know. We'll find out more later, I'm sure. But all of this stuff is for sure connected. And I love um, talking about the connection with trauma and PMDD because it makes sense because you're saying that there's usually a negative truth or something under there, right? And so that something under there could strongly link probably to trauma or unmet need that yeah. someone experienced it during trauma, which is making the connections in the brain want to fire off and say, last time we felt this way, it didn't go well. Rawr, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And yeah, even like, you know, something happens because of the PMDD, then they're you know, there's trauma from that. Of like, I blew up at my person and now, you know, I lost my job or something and I'm spiraling. And so, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad people like you exist that specialize in this because we can't know everything about everything, right? Which is why we send clients to see a psychiatrist versus their GP a lot of times because the psychiatrist is reading all the latest research and things that pertain to the brain and mental health. And the same thing is true a lot for women's health. Even being a woman, some of the things that you're saying to me are, it's new information. You know, it's not something that I've ever researched, studied. I don't remember it in biology class. It's new information. So I'm glad that, that therapists like you exist that do have a great working understanding of, of horm the way hormones affect mood. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think I remember doing a project in grad school, we had to make a big poster and present it to other therapists. And I had, you know, really big on their PM, you know, CBT for PMDD. And every single person that came up was like, what's that? What's PMDD? <laughs> so it's kind of just became a passion of mine of like, there needs to be more awareness because there's, you know, I think the statistic is that women go nine to 10 years without being diagnosed of, or being misdiagnosed before they get like, oh, this might be PMDD. So if we can raise more awareness, that'll help you know, so many people and just be so much better. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I noticed because you and I did a training together um, about PMDD, you did the training, I hosted the training, let's be real. But um, it was very surprising to me, there wasn't a single man that signed up for the training. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though I have a lot of male therapists on my listserv that received the same information, I did not have a single male therapist sign up. And the fact is, if you're going to work with female clients, this is something that you need to be aware of. Absolutely. Statistically, about how many women deal with this, do you know? I think it's about um, 5%. Yeah. And so, I mean, a fair number. And then I know that this, um, one of the main reasons that's important to look at it is that 
the suicide, you know, rate is a lot higher in women with PMDD. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, you know, and thinking about even if you're a male therapist and you're seeing mostly male clients, like what if he's talking about his wife and how every month she explodes on him? Like, okay, maybe there's something there we need to explore that would help them so much. Yeah. But I do, th- I thought that was interesting too. I think maybe there's kind of, I don't know, the stigma or like kind of this, a little bit of embarrassment or something when we talk about PMS or that kind of thing or periods or, I don't know, people are uncomfortable with. Well, I definitely think men are uncomfortable with periods. I don't think yes. that's any- <laughs> But it also strikes me like, so if around 5% of women live with PMDD, it also makes me think that who the percentage might be a little bit higher of who is seen in therapy, right? Because yeah. you're coming in because I've got relational issues because I'm going off and I don't know why I'm having trouble at work. There's certain times of the month where I'm really struggling with motivation. All are reasons that someone might actually reach out for counseling services. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And so, yeah, I think the number by actually could be higher. We just, it's not diagnosed enough. People don't know about it. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm going is I'd be very curious to know as people become more educated about it, if in five or 10 years that statistic started to change because we actually know what to look for right now instead of going to some of immediately the old go-tos of borderline bipolar disorder, you know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I think, uh, and I think most, I would say almost most or all of my clients with PMDD have come to me self-diagnosed. <laughs> They're like, I figured this out on my own because of, you know, I put the connection together finally, but I went to doctor after doctor and no one knew what I was struggling with or understood or even other therapists. So yeah, it's really important. I think that we start getting more awareness out there. Yeah. Good old Dr. Google. The other thing you just said is women may go to, from doctor to doctor and not be diagnosed. And that's another one of these areas that oftentimes we can stand in the gap with our clients and help them learn to advocate for themselves. We can connect them with the the flow tracker so that yeah. they track their mood in relation to where they are on their cycle and take evidence then into the doctor to say, my therapist brought this information to me. I've been tracking. We suspect I have PMDD. Can you take a look at this? Because I think the ambiguity sometimes of how we talk about our periods, because we're not all consistent and all that stuff, it's kind of confusing to doctors as well, like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But if we can help them learn how to advocate for themselves and come in then with evidence and of what they're experiencing, I can imagine that could be very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, like you said, it does vary cycle to cycle. No cycle's the same. So yeah, there might be one cycle you do feel a little better. So like, maybe I don't have it. Or, you know, or like the doctor's like, well, maybe it's not that bad. Yeah, so totally. That makes sense. Okay. So as we are wrapping up here, what what's one final piece of information or advice you want us to know? Yeah, I think just to know that, um, you know, Women are cyclical beings. So this is just a very important component of treatment planning or looking, even if let's say they don't have PMDD, let's, how is your cycle? Like asking that in the assessment or like what, you know, do you notice any kind of shifts? Maybe they don't have PMDD, but they have PMS or they just have a hormonal balance. So being aware of those things, I think is so important because um, it just helps the whole, you know, holistic picture of treating someone in their mental health. I love it. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for being on today. How can people connect with you? Yeah, they can um, get a hold of me on my website. It's openinvite.com. 
O-P-E-N-I-V-I-N-V-I-T-E.com. So awesome. Thank you so much for being on today. And if you would like to connect more with uh, me, with our retreats, with our trainings or the podcast, counselingcommunity.com has all the information. We also are on all the socials, including TikTok. So I hope to see you around and get out there and live your best dang life.